got your first leadership gig, loving the new role, but feeling the pressure of your new responsibilities and all that expectation to perform, well, don't worry, you're not alone. Crossing the chasm from a technical role to leadership, from doing stuff to managing and leading people is the toughest challenge any leader must make. Welcome to the Human Edge Show, the podcast dedicated to help you do just that, successfully cross the doing to leading chasm. Campbell Such here, Chief Chasm Crossing Guide. I've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. I want to help you learn those lessons much more easily by sharing my experiences and talking with brilliant people who have already figured it out. You'll get great actionable tips, strategies and techniques to make the transition so much easier and faster for you. Now let's get to it. Well, welcome to another episode of the Human Edge Show. Today, I'm privileged to have Steve James from Countdown on the show with me. Steve, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Campbell. Steve's been in in the technology industry in various shapes and forms for about as much as he hates to admit it, about 30 years. He started out in the trenches of an ISP call center, resetting external 28.8 modems as his first role and moving through the Windows engineering world, various delivery-based roles and settling into a people and technology leadership position, which is now his true passion. He still likes to call himself a technologist, however, these days, his team's probably asking to step away from most technical issues and allow them to get on, the jo- on with the job that they're probably better suited to do right now. He is, uh, injecting passion and laughter is something he loves to bring to his work as many days as he can manage it. His three kids, one wife, and one cat, and he still managed to slip in some casual gaming some nights and listening to podcasts and audio books to keep his brain active. He refers to it as his aging brain, but I know it's still as sharp as the day he was uh, <laughs> 20. Anyway, welcome to the show, Steve. Just to kick off, what's one thing that not many people would know about you to uh, to start with? Sure. Um, well, interestingly, uh, I Steve James is not my original name. Um my original name was Sean Joseph Feeney, um, and at a very young age, I was adopted into a new family, got a new name, uh, kept my identity, I guess. Uh, yeah, but yeah, not many people know that. It's a very Irish name, um, and I'm very proud of my Irish roots. Were you born in Ireland, Steve? No, I was born in um, what was originally called Quartzopolis. Um, you may know it as Reefton, uh, which is a little town on the west coast of the South Island. First town in New Zealand to get electricity. Wow. So Reefton, uh, interesting town on the west coast, um, coal mining town. And how yes. often do you get back there? Um, not very often. Um, I actually, uh, I was born there and then moved fairly quickly after uh, the adoption to uh, various other towns around the South Island. And I've lived probably uh many other places around New Zealand. So I've been back a couple of times. It's a pretty sleepy town. Uh, don't have any uh, known relatives there. So yeah, don't really get back there that much. Right, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's great. Thanks for that. Uh, and I and I can guarantee that there's not too many people that have known about, uh, about that bit of your background, right? <laughs> so yeah. just thinking back into your early steps into, into leadership, Steve, um, can you recall what was the you know what was the initiating thing that got you into your first leadership role how did you feel at the time and what are some of the, the I guess the mistakes for want of a better term that you made at the time that you'd now when you look back on it you might do differently yeah um great question so look 
I was reflecting on this last night actually, um, and I kind of started into leadership stuff very young, not not business roles, and and I think that was uh, you know when I was working with um, some at risk youth. Um, various youth programs, stuff like that. And I just seemed to fall into the leadership thing. So I think uh, there was just something about my personality for a start that, that sort of got me into the forefront of things. Um, and I, I'm a gregarious person. I love being around communities of people and that, that was very obvious from the beginning. However, I guess when looking into a business leadership role, um, I, uh, I made some pretty bad calls in my career, made some big mistakes, but I, I think um, those things were a real catalyst to wake me up and go, okay, um, this is a serious game we're in here. And uh, I had very supportive people around me who basically were able to walk me through, you know, what some better outcomes may have been. And from that point, they were able to see that I was able to actually take that on pretty transparently, be pretty open about it. Uh, and then able to sort of share that knowledge with some of the other team that I was working with at the time. Um, so there was a lot of trust put into me, and I, and I was able, I was given opportunities that I, I wasn't really prepared for. It was just a lot of faith put in the, with the community of leaders that were around me, um, and that was really my first launch in um, in a little startup where yeah, there was some. It was a very tough project. I was able to sit in that um, that position between a partner and who they were delivering to and really uh, help them handshake, I guess, and help them through a fairly tough time. And that was where it really started for me. And I think people got to see that I may have lacked a little bit of experience, but I was willing to learn uh, and I had a good way um, of engaging people. You said there was a there was a group of leaders around you um, that mm. helped you make that transition. Do you think that, how important do you think that was? And is there anything um, that you can recall from that, from that time that you particularly learned that you weren't aware of? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, what I was not aware of is that they were leaders. Like, they were just people I worked with. I wasn't aware that they were doing leadership. They were just my boss or whatever. And I, there was a realisation at that moment. And like I say, there was a pivotal moment, and you don't need to know what it was, but it was a um, – I had made a call that was poor, okay? Um, and I remember being taken out for lunch um, by my boss at the time, and he just sat me down and he said, look, Steve, um, everyone makes mistakes and yep this wasn't that wasn't a great call but um, we want to keep you in the business we recognize your potential and this is how we're going to resolve this issue what do you think you're going to do differently next time and he gently took me through a fairly tough moment and actually what came out of it was him saying but I trust you now and don't worry we're going to help you through this and we're going to help you learn from this um, so I guess what I didn't realise at the time was that he was he was stepping me through a process to go see if he could turn that light on and go see what happened here, see what we did, and now we're going to give that opportunity to you. And um, yeah, it, it really uh, helped change my trajectory in, in technology as well. Wow, yeah. That so the, the the power of having a a strong leader who's prepared to I guess mentor and coach you through that that process you'd see as being yeah, a powerful correct. a powerful thing. What's yeah, your yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go, go again. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, listening to um, your previous episodes with Stefan, um, you know, he talked a lot about that mentoring, and I think that's a key one. I didn't pick up on that quickly enough, but it's really those moments where you find someone you can. It's not necessary that you emulate them. I don't because I don't think there's necessarily a trick that you learn to being a good leader, but you recognise behaviours and then you ask yourself, 
why are they behaving in that way for what purpose and it's that understanding of the intent and having a mentor who can walk alongside you and, and not necessarily tell you what to do that's not what they're there for but you're you're able to go second set of eyes why did that person react in that way um, why are they um, trying to you know behave to get a certain outcome you can sort of understand that intent and I think that's the real unlock is understanding people's intent rather than being told here's the methodology you need to be a good leader um, that, that some of those methodologies are great to get you started but I think seeing the practice of a real human being um, is where you really learn the good stuff yeah that, that's interesting isn't it I've uh, you know a lot of the feedback I've had around uh, leadership training is a lot of people don't get it um, but when they do get it it's a it tends to be a, a structured course and the courses yeah. can be phenomenal you know it might be a, you know one or two or a three-day course or it might be spread out over a period of time but the biggest challenge people have isn't that the course they didn't learn a lot of stuff in the course it's you know the forgetting curve means that you tend to lose stuff pretty quickly unless you apply it it's then what happens in the moment when you're in a situation and pressure's on and you're having to deal with a, a something that you perhaps haven't dealt with, someone who's upset, something that's not happening properly, um, massive delay, whatever it is. And then all of that stuff goes out the window and you're back to default behavior. Uh, and yeah. having someone who can help you in the moment, like you're the, the, the person mm. that sat you down out to lunch and um, and and talk, talked you through it as an in the moment thing that gives you that really fast feedback. Um, what do you do to your new leaders to, to what do you do with your new leaders to help them make that transition when they yeah. when they've moved out of perhaps a technical role where they've been uh, you know spending a lot of time becoming really good at doing stuff and having to go across to that now the doing stuff thing tends to be a bit less and, and the leading people which is a whole new way of doing things that they may not recognize uh, they need to start learning some of those tools and recognizing those things what's your approach to helping people get across that that gap yeah, and you, you've made a good point. And, you know, often, especially in the technology world, we promote great technologists and they may not actually be great <laughs> leaders. Um, and, you know, that was something I've learned, you know, because you, 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 not every person that becomes a new leader is a great leader. That, and, and that's okay. Um, and recognizing that some people want to take a trajectory, uh, they still want to progress their careers. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to manage people. That, that's okay. Um, there's a, there are valuable skills that you take forward. But if, if someone's transitioning in, um, my, my key thing is that to be a great leader, even a new great leader, um, you have to know yourself really well. And when I say know yourself, um, it's not knowing what things I'm good at or not good at. It's understanding the motivations and the values that you have so that you can match those values up to your actions and to what you tell your team and the style you bring to work. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm big on authenticity. And um, if I, you know, when people say they're authentic, what you see is what you get. Um, what I've probably recently realized is that's never true because you never <laughs> reveal your whole self. Um, but an intent to be authentic means um, you're bringing a transparency and an honesty to what you do and how you lead. Um, but it also means, you know, if I say this to a new leader, right, yeah, be authentic, they go, oh, I'm just going to be myself. I'm this, um, you know, I'm really funny. I'm a great leader. You know, I make, I'm a good task-oriented person. I'm like, well, no, being authentic also means you have to be honest with people. 
So likewise, the people in your care and your stewardship, if you're authentic with them, when things aren't going great or they need a nudge in a different direction or they're asking some advice and they might not like the advice you're going to give them, being authentic means having an uncomfortable conversation. And that, I think, is a, a real challenge for new leaders. It certainly was for me. Um, you know, when you are promoted into that new leadership role, there's often that, um, oh, I'm special, I feel great, I got promoted into this new role, and, you know, this is so cool. So there's a desire to please people and to show how good you are. And I think for me, with my personality type, you know, I, I, I kind of lent into that a little too hard at the beginning, and so you start trying to please everyone, uh, and then you end up pleasing no one because you're not really being honest and authentic and dealing with things that need to be dealt with because leadership's not just about the inspiration. You know, that's a big part of it, but sometimes it's about making calls, and those calls are not always going to be agreed with. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, that authenticity, I think, is a real key thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, authenticity is a word that's used a lot um, these days around, around leadership. And uh, often we hear about a thing and then it's, well, that's fine, but how do I do that? Would you have any uh, any thoughts or suggestions for, for leaders of all types and experiences, but particularly for new leaders around what it, what it is to be authentic and how might they go about starting down that down that path? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, look, being being authentic in a in a in a way that gets great outcomes for you and for your team. Um, it, I think it's really difficult and it's really uncomfortable. Um, there's, there's some great books that you can read. You know, like I'm quite a fan of Brene Brown and, and that being vulnerable but with boundaries. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into all her stuff, but, you know, great. You know, watch some of her stuff on Netflix, read her book, have a crack at that. Um, but I think, again, to be authentic, you've, you've really got to understand yourself and um, you need to understand where you are in your journey as a person because otherwise you're just kind of putting on a mask. You're just putting out this view. I want Campbell to see this about me. I want Campbell to see I'm a, I'm a chilled out, you know, funny guy who's a really great leader, who's modern, blah, 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 whatever. But actually understanding what's going on in here is, is the key to that authenticity. So, um, and, and with that, this is maybe getting a little esoteric, but with that, there's a, you know, during your day, I, I, I talk about days that I either get dragged through and I just stumble from thing to thing to thing. At the end of those days, I'm going, that was massively unsatisfying. Well, there's the days where I come in and I'm purposeful and I've set my day up. Um, the day goes um, mainly to plan. And I have moments during those days I can reflect on <clears throat> things that I'm saying, things that you're saying, and understanding how are they, how are these impacting me, how are these making me feel, um, and then going, why is it making me feel like that? Why am I reacting to that person? Am I, um, am I projecting something that I'm unhappy with onto that person? And it's those moments of reflection and giving yourself some space that allows you to be authentic because you can go, actually, Campbell, I'm really uncomfortable. You just said that to me. If you just give me a moment. I think it's because what you're saying doesn't line up with my values. You know, so you're just you're giving yourself that space rather than me going, sorry, Campbell, I think that's bullshit. Um, I'm the boss, so we're just gonna do it this way. You know, that's it, that's I might go, hey, that's me being honest, but it's not really me being authentic because I'm actually rising up against something and I'm not exploring what that is. Now, that's I get that's difficult. You know, our days are crazy. We live in a really complex, volatile world, right? Um 
So somehow finding that space to be reflective um, and to take a breath. You know, we did it at the beginning of the call today. You know, you came in, you had some things on your mind. You went, I just need to take a breath. And I saw you just centre yourself and go, right, I'm here. And I think that's a key thing because otherwise we just stumble from thing to thing to thing sort of going, yep, yep, okay, cool, yes, yes, no, no, no. And we're not really adding as much value as we could. Yeah, well, that's... um. That's powerful, and yes, uh, yes, there have been some things going on before this, and I, you know, and that helped me. Just taking that breath really helped me, and I and I could highly encourage anyone in any role, and in particular in leadership, when things aren't going um, going necessarily to plan or or how you expect it to perhaps do that. Um, the piece in there that I really that I thought was awesome, Steve, was that you uh, the difference between authenticity and and I guess that kind of the the saying what you think, which is no, that's bullshit, as opposed to hey. That doesn't quite sink, and and opening yourself up to having a conversation about it, um, because what that does, in my experience, is it allows that person to feel heard and to engage, as opposed to feel cut off, unheard, and pushed away, and and that's the difference that that, that for me is one of the big hows that you've just raised there is to think about that is to even if you want to say that's bullshit, just yeah. hold off a little bit before you and ask a question. Or, or open things up so that someone can then fill in that gap, and you might find something about about them or about the situation you didn't know before. Um, yeah, and look, man, there's nothing wrong with saying, and I do this all the time, is going, um, and I'm going to keep using you as an example because we're talking about Campbell. I can see you're getting upset. Um, why is that? And rather than just allowing myself to react against it or, or saying, it, like actually laying it out on the table, I'm... Um, I'm not really liking where this conversation's going. And it just stops the conversation and both of you get a chance to go, oh, is this where we want this conversation to go? And maybe it is. Maybe the other person is passionate and they need to get a point across. Um, but again, they're, they're able to recognise that and go, yeah, I'm getting upset because this is really important to me and you're not listening to me. And so again, it's giving that unlock of going, let's actually talk about what's going on here. Let's not just pretend and play at this, I'm the boss, you're the employee or whatever you're going to call it. Let's actually have an authentic connection and understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, one of the things that you talked about a little bit earlier was having uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, none, none of us, I don't think there's too many of us that actually look forward to having an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> Um, but but what, one of the things in my experience is that having those uncomfortable conversations achieves a whole bunch of real value, ultimately provided you handle it really well or handle it in a way that, that leaves it open like we just talked about. Um, but running away from it or walking away from it or hiding from it tends to just make the, the smouldering fire end up becoming a bushfire. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions around how to approach an uncomfortable conversation, both from preparing yourself and also helping a new leader to think about how they might um, Instead of instead of yep. leaning back to lean into that conversation and recognise the value of of having it because then it helps everyone move forward and unlocks unlocks some real value and some engagement and, and teamwork. Yeah, um, look, there's a couple of things uh, that so and more recently, you know, I went on at some amazing training last year, which has kind of unlocked some of the stuff. So it's still pretty fresh, but um, you know, one key thing that they suggested was keep a notebook of conversations you're putting off. <laughs> because they're always the uncomfortable ones. You can put a list down and then when you're feeling strong, when you, you go and have one of those conversations and, it, you know, every week or so you look at the list and you go, oh, yeah, 
yeah, I need to have that conversation. So I think identifying the ones that you're avoiding is a quick way of going, what's, what's a difficult conversation I actually need to have? Um, and a couple other things I really like is if I am going to have a difficult conversation, I always signal that it's going to be a difficult conversation. So someone's sitting across the table from me or, or it might be the group sitting there and go, look, people, I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial, but I, I actually think it needs to be said. I might be wrong, um, but I want to give my opinion and then let's discuss it. And I think announcing it, again, takes the burnout a little bit. And in a one-on-one -on -one situation, if someone's saying something and you know, oh, I'm going to completely disagree here, okay, um, you, you can kind of sell, put a salve on the wound by saying, I have heard you, but I have a completely different opinion, so I want to give it to you and then let's discuss it. And I think, again, announcing it, so you're not saying, I'm going to give my opinion um, and now that's the way it's going to be, uh, you know, that's, that's the unsaid rule. If you go, well, actually, if you say something like that, if you lead into it and go, well, actually, what I think, that kind of signals the other person is that, oh, okay, great, you obviously you're going to win this discussion. And I think there's, you know, it's not about winning again, it's about making that connection, right, and saying, oh, yeah, Campbell, what I'm going to say might hurt your feelings, but, you know, it's not intended to, but can you give me some space to say it? And hopefully you're going to say, Steve, go for it. So I think that's a good way to just take that sting out of it. Again, you're not playing a game, you're having a connection, and I think it's important to acknowledge that connection. And again, one of the other big things that um, also I, that came into my sphere recently is the, um, I think it's called uh, Catman's Drama Triangle. And I, I love the drama triangle, right? So um, leaders often create drama because they're wanting to try and make everyone happy. So um, in the drama triangle, uh, and this is not my work, right? And go look it up. Um, I'll give you a brief proxy proxy of it though. So you've got someone who feels they're being um, a, a victim, someone who's a victim, there's someone that they feel is uh, persecuting and there is someone that, um, who's the other person? There's a rescuer. There's someone that they want to rescue. Yeah, right. So so I go to the rescue and I go, oh, Campbell's being mean to me. Um, it's really unfair. And then the rescuer who might be the leader goes, oh, that's, oh, that's terrible. Um, I'm going to step in because I'm amazing and I'm going to ride into my white horse and save the day. Campbell, you've got to stop doing that. That's so cruel. So what that does is basically the person who's going, I'm a victim, it makes them feel great. Someone came and saved me and it kind of validates their behavior. The rescuer, who's generally a leader, goes, I am so good. I just totally fixed this situation. And the persecutor just goes, what is going on? Like, why did this need to happen? But it creates a cycle that repeats because that person always wants you to rescue them. And what I love, and man, I'm a rescuer from way back. Like I am so unlearning that at the moment. But um, you know, the the uh, the victim uh, comes a creator because they that they think of themselves as a creator. There's an outcome they need and they need to get an outcome. Um, so you're not a victim. Um, the person who they thought of as a persecutor is a challenger. So yeah, okay, that person is challenging their state of mind. And then the person who they would go to as the rescuer steps into a coaching conversation. I don't need to rescue that person. I'm going to assume, and this is the big thing, that that person can actually solve this themselves. Yeah. I'm just going to ask some open-ended questions like, how do you think we could get a better outcome in the future? What is it about what's happening that's making you uncomfortable? You know, those open-ended questions that allows the other person to basically solve it themselves. They start realising they can solve it themselves. They stop thinking of that other person as this terrible ogre that's trying to get them. And they go, okay, um, this is what I think I'm going to do. And then you can finish the conversation saying, that's great. Um, when are you going to do that? 
oh, I'm going to do it next week. Sounds amazing. Let's chat next week. Totally changes the whole dynamic. <laughs> and I, for me, that has been one of the biggest unlocks in the last 12 months because, like I said, I used to love rescuing. <laughs> Hardcore. That uh, the the that drama triangle, the KDT, I think they call it, um, yeah. is really powerful and helps you to recognise where you might be coming from as a leader or, or as a yeah. you know, as as a as a team member. Uh, what I got from what you just talked about, though, is a big epiphany for you, which was around this whole idea of the coach as opposed to the boss, if you yeah. like, um, as opposed to giving them the answers and telling them what to do and how to do it. It's un helping them uncover those answers for themselves and you coaching them through it. Have you, um, <laughs> for a lot of us, understanding and discovering that, that coaching is, a, is the real power, is one of the big powers as a leader, how did you get to that point? And what have you started doing differently that, that a new leader might because, you know, when we come into a new leadership role, we want to prove ourselves and we want to be seen to be able to deliver value and all of those good things. And that's making decisions and answering questions and rescuing people. How do you kind of get your head around that idea that I can add the most value by helping my team to be as successful as they can be? How, how do you get to that? Yeah. Um, th there is a realisation, I think, that people who become really successful leaders have at some stage, and I think, you know, you said, an epiphany there's a moment and you realize that um you are not like this person that has all the answers and is so much better than everyone else like you you just have this realization you go actually um this thing happened in your team out amazing outcome actually it was my team that got the outcome um oh, that's cool, so I'm not better than them. They have a different skill set than me. And there's just this moment, and I don't know when it happens at different times, you realise, okay, the real value I'm adding here is X, Y, Z. And whatever that value is, whether it be great strategic thinking or painting a really big North Star that people can follow, um, being a caring coach, that type of stuff. So I think that there's, a, there's different realisations that happen. But again, that comes back to really understanding who you are. Because I don't have to be you, you don't have to be me, even though we kind of look alike. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have to be the people in my team. You know, I, I bring in people to my team who are fantastic. Go look at um, some people who work with me on LinkedIn, and I've got some absolute superstars. Um, they are not me. They don't necessarily do things in the same style as me. They have very different repertoire of skills. And understanding that my role is to get the make them be the best version of them or to assist them. I don't have to make them do that. It's just to assist them on that journey and help them unlock that. That's a, That was a key moment for me when I'm starting to go, um, I hired you because you're amazing. Now, how am I going to let you be amazing? Because me putting you in this really tight framework where you come and ask permission all the time um, is a mistake. I need to somehow unleash your potential. So for me, it's just been starting to work with great people who who will challenge me. So I love it when people in your team are that confident, that clever, that you go, okay, this is what I think I'm going to do, team. And they go, oh, Steve, I don't think that's a good idea. How about we try this approach? And you realize that there's all this potential that you need to dig, all the gold you need to find and go, actually, yeah. And just because that person had the idea, did that make me a lesser person? No. Did that make me a terrible leader? No, it didn't. Did we get a great outcome? We did. Um, you know, like I, I love those moments where you go, 
oh, I, I don't have to be front and centre on every little thing that the team's doing to still be a great leader and get a great outcome. Um, I guess specifically, though, um, I was lucky to go um, and work with Sandy Bergham uh, at Play Collab last year, and they have a, a you know, it's a, it's over a, um, like a six-month period. There's various sessions you go to in a, a little cohort, and they really lent into that um let's think about the psychology of who you are, how you became to be the person you are. Um, why, are the th why do you do the things you do today? What happened in your life, in your past, that makes you act in that way? And that gave me um, a new level of, I understand my value here, and either as a leader or as a person, as a husband, as a friend, I understand that value. So I'm not going to operate out of trying to please everyone anymore. I'm going to operate based on my values. I know what my values are. And so my behaviours need to line up with my values. And again, there's just this unlock that I don't have to play at being a great leader. I just need to lead. And I, and, and for me, seeing what they showed us, so taking us through some coaching techniques, um, we we had to actively practice coaching with people. Um you know, I had to get someone and start coaching them, you know, and having varied success with that, Not, you know, you know, it's a real skill. And then um, just seeing the those moments where you get to unlock something that someone didn't know about themselves or about what happened, because you're asking open coaching questions, so much more powerful than going, okay, next time, how about you do it like that? Because you'll get a better outcome. And they go, oh, okay, cool. I'm much rather having those moments of, where someone goes, hang on a second, I get it. I, this just happened, and you go, that's amazing. Right, cool. Let's let's hold that. What are you going to do next time? Um, and those moments are where I see the real magic these days. Yeah, that's um, that's really powerful, isn't it, Steve? The um, we've talked around we've talked around a whole lot of things. Um, one of the one of the challenges that a lot of new leaders have is they they in businesses around the world and, and in New Zealand they get they get thrown in the deep end and it's kind of a sink or swim thing and it, and it happens you know the conversations that I have with people lead me to believe and my observation is that this happens more often than it doesn't as a as a leader of new leaders what would you suggest to those leaders of a leader when they've just put someone into a new role to help that person the new leader, uh, much more likely to succeed in, in their new role and to make that transition, which is the toughest transition, I believe, going from doing to leading. Uh, do you have any thoughts or suggestions or ideas for the leaders of leaders to help them make make it far more likely that their new leaders will succeed and be successful and and, um, and love what they do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Look, I think for me, and, and you know, you've heard from some of the things that I've said is, you know, I, I was lucky to be supported by people that had a high high level of trust in me. So, you know, um, and I think that's a key thing that you, if you are genuinely making a choice to put this person into a leadership position, like it, you haven't inherited a team, you've actually chosen to put this person into a leadership position. You're saying, I think you are great at, you're going to be great at leading people. That's the decision you're making. Um, so I think... Uh, wrapping them with some support where you're you're having conversations like, okay, um, welcome to the role. Uh, are we clear on the intent? What is it that I can do to make this better for you? What are the things that you need from me? So by asking that question, I'm not saying, right, I'm going to have these sessions with you. I'm going to teach you how to do this and da, 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 because maybe that's just teaching them to be like you, I think. 
So for me, having that level of trust and saying, hey, I, I put you into this position because I trust that you've got the skills to do it. Um, I'm totally comfortable that you're learning and I'm totally comfortable you're going to make some mistakes. And, and I genuinely mean that. I'm, I know it's very trite to say fail fast, it's okay, but genuinely saying someone can make a call and it can have a bad outcome and going, that's okay. As long as you we learn from that and we, we put as much support around those people so that they might make a wrong decision, but it's not from lack of support or lack of information, that type of stuff, because you, know, you have a big part to play in that. So I think that trust thing is where I see people really step up because they will come to you and go, hey, um, I'm wanting to do X, Y, Z. And you go, well, what do you think is the right option here? And they go, oh, um, well, I think maybe this. And they go, oh, why do you think that? Because of X, Y, Z. If that's what you think, oh, I support it. Sounds like a great idea. Is that person goes away going, oh, that was great. I feel empowered to do this. If it doesn't turn out well, being able to come back together and go, oh, that you know, didn't really turn out that great. That's it. What are we going to do now? We're going to fix it this way. Great. Do you need me to assist you? No, I've got it, Steve. Okay, great. Um, how are we going to resolve this? Like, so, so having a nice, um, again, a real connection conversation um, about going, honestly, that didn't work out so well, but it was a, you know, it was a good call at the time with the information we had, so what are we going to do now? Again, helps that leader go, it's okay to be bold. It's okay to take risks sometimes. Um and, you know, as I've said, that was a big unlock for me earlier in my career as well. Yeah. Interesting that the, your approach there to how you manage it is very coach-like uh, rather than yeah. rather than rescuer-like. Uh, yeah. There's a really interesting, yeah. there's, there's a really interesting um, story, and I, you know, I believe it's true from the early days of IBM and Thomas Watson, who was a pretty um, uh, challenging character and very dominating character and one of his senior execs had just made a this is you know this is like back in the early 19 you know 1930s 1940s when IBM was just first getting going and 12 million dollars was a lot of money in those days well still a lot of money today right if you if you blow it and his this senior exec on his senior leadership team had made a massive cock up and had lost the company 12 million dollars like it was it was huge and he'd been called into Thomas Watson's office and Watson sat him down in the, you know, the big chair and he said, you know why you're here, don't you? And the guy said, well, yeah, I've made a massive mistake and you're going to fire me. I've just lost you $12 million. And Thomas Watson looked at him and said, no, mate, I'm not, I'm not, we're not firing you. I've just spent $12 million educating you. And uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, that's the, now this guy had some experience and understanding that, uh, you know, and Thomas obviously had great faith in him to keep, to be able to carry on. Yeah. You know, that's why he supported him in it, but it was, was supporting him through that that mistake and uh, and coming out the better at the back end stronger and and better able to make better decisions going forward. So uh, interesting, interesting times. Steve, this has been awesome. Um, just before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to that I haven't asked you or that you'd like to to cover off some some special points that might 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 help people looking at this? And um, look, I mean, this might be a bit of a side jag, um, but. One thing I've come to realise recently um, is that as leaders, I personally believe, this is my opinion, right, is that we have a responsibility to be more than just moving our businesses forward. I have a genuine, um, it's like a real feeling inside that, you know, it, we can make a change for better in the world as well. And I think that's a key part of being authentic. Um, 
and business is in the driving seat of the future of our planet at the moment, for better or worse, we are. Um, so asking yourself, you know, when you get to these positions, um, you know, uh, when you're thinking about diversity, when you think about bringing up marginalised, you know, different sectors of the society into leadership roles, into your business, um, making sure that you're being an ally to those people is really important. When you when you get there, don't forget about the other people that aren't there. You know, I, I got to where I am through a set of circumstances that played out in my favour, and some other people don't have the, that privilege. So for me now, it's what am I going to do to kick that door down for someone else and, and pay, it, pay it forward to them? Um, because otherwise we won't break some of the systems that have kind of entrapped our society. And I'm, I'm kind of dancing around some stuff there, but I think it's really important that you, you don't forget that stuff, that you're there, you, you have power, you have personal power to make change in your business, but also in society. So what are you going to do with that? Where are you going to side on some of these big issues that we talk about all the time, whether they be diversity, whether they be about whether your company's you know, doing better things for sustainability. And we've really got potential to make changes here. And as young leaders, often the young leaders have these fantastic ideas. They sort of haven't had the hope crushed out of them yet. And I think where we can really provide opportunities for our young leaders, you know, bring in that diverse thinking, bring in people that you may not have thought you'd usually bring in, and then listen to them and go, that's really different. Oh, it's uncomfortable, but maybe that is a better way of doing something and I, yeah I think that's really important for us as people who are in senior leadership positions going forward. Well that's uh, that's a powerful way to end Steve thank you very much it's been a great chat really enjoyed chatting to you and uh, love to have you back on the show again at some point thanks again. Love to. love to thanks Campbell. Okay see you Steve. See you, mate. Thanks for listening if you have a friend or a colleague who would benefit from this episode, please pass the word along. If you have a friend or a colleague who would not benefit, but you haven't been in touch with them for a while, give them a call. iTunes reviews are great to get the word out and to help me create the show that's most useful for you. And if you're frustrated or having challenges or would like some help, guidance, assistance with your first leadership role, then check out integrationcatalyst.com in the link in the podcast notes below. Or... Pass this on to your boss to nudge them to get you the help you really need to cross the doing to managing chasm and get you powered up on your leadership and management journey. Oh, and if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, hit subscribe. Until next time.